0: Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Scotty. I can tell why you're a drummer. Uh,
1: that's because I have good rhythm.
0: You have great rhythm. And terrible melody. The boys got rhythm. That's what they say. Mm. Well, how are you this week, sir? I'm Jim Dandy, Scotty.
1: Um, actually, th- you know, uh, I, not that we're turning this into therapy amongst two grumpy old men, but I felt last week um, that I was losing my mojo, and now I think I have it back. <laughs> it's Wait,
0: what was it behind the couch
1: yes exactly that's where it was <laughs> you know with 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 my <laughs> with my glasses and <laughs> and a cup of warm milk now it's it, um, and whether,
0: fifty in change yeah something like that
1: now like a bunch of stuff that i've been working on you know all hinged on each other i think i, I mentioned that last week and uh now it all kind of this was the week to to get everything merged and um I thank God for automated testing and for screenshot tests because it really helps uncover things. Um, and I learned some interesting things, um, and I would be happy to share them with you Would you, should
0: you wish to listen to them. Uh, I would love to listen to them, but I think you should, first of all, give us a little bit of an insight into... What you mean when you say automated testing, and especially as you pointed out, screenshot testing. Right. So, I mean,
1: we we have we have a whole series of tests that functional tests and UI tests that 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 can be run that are run regularly. Some run you know with every push. Some run daily. Some run you know some take you know are, are done every week. It just you know it depends on the test suite and and how. You know what the impact is to the application because some of these tests take a long time to do, especially you know you imagine doing testing like for interactive titles you have to you have to start and stop the player and move it to different locations and and choose paths and so it just you know there's only so fast you can possibly make it and, and many of the tests require it to be run on hardware they can't be run on the simulator if they have to if they involve playback of of, of of protected video, copy-protected video, which that's kind of a lot of what what we do here. <laughs> and so, do You surprised me. Yes, I didn't realize that. Yes, exactly. And then you think that you know, in order to find out things, there's, you have to do it on lots of different devices. There's a big difference between what you're looking for on, a, on an iPhone 5 versus an iPad Pro. So you know the tests are running all the time, and so uh and and you you just can't ship a quality product without it and and so that's one thing then there there are screenshot tests which are are clever, so basically it runs the app and you can get it to to capture the image and then put them all together from a run and and um uh, and it's done in all the different languages. So that's a much more efficient way of figuring out, do you have layout problems in German on a small phone, right? Um, and so, you know, there's, there's a lot of manual testing. If you are familiar with localization and, you know, you're used to, to, to doing all these things, um, then you tend to kind of do a lot of that work manually as part of the, the development cycle and, um. But still, you can't you can't get all the coverage, and you may not have all those devices. So you know you you can have some confidence, to think yeah, I think this should work. But then all of a sudden, you determine in this particular case it doesn't. So having the automation for that is is very very important. And um, we have some pretty sophisticated systems there, which make it possible to to kind of look for a specific language, look for a particular string, and then be able to see the different places where it's been used. So that's really helpful. Um, and that takes a lot of work to to set it up and to maintain it. And so, you know, the things that I've been working on that I've blathered on about is support for dynamic type. And I was concerned, it's like, okay, well, that's a whole other set of testing. But much to our surprise and delight, we discovered that you can actually do it with just a simple launch argument, which is glorious because you can just run the tests you already have running, and let them go and just jack the the jack up the the, the size of the dynamic type to the largest accessibility sizes, or maybe do one medium, one one mat, you know max, one min, something like that to get an idea of of how things behave. And again, it kind of goes with with different languages. So German tends to be expansive. And so there's some places where, you know, type that may have been designed for 24 point being rendered at 96 point, you know, and you have a long title just, things are you're going to find things where you're going to have to make some adjustments and I thought that I had found everything and by the by I actually had there was one little edge case which it was it was easy to see but then there was another problem that I found which had to do with timing and this is this is um you know, a lot of the basis of testing is you, you know, you have to use accessibility identifiers to identify elements in the UI and you go basically say, okay, find the button whose accessibility identifier is play dash one, two, three, four, and, you know, activate it, play back. And then, you know, then you have to say, okay, well, you know, press stop or, and in a case where you have an action sheet menu where you're doing things like saying, okay, well, you know, find the button that, find, find this table cell item that is is for liking something Select it, and then you know check to see that the 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 table has reloaded and that now you can find one you know a cell with an identifier called rated for example, or not for me or you know whatever the the, the changes would be, and so all this was predicated on the way that 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 this this action sheet had been constructed which was all based on the idea of fixed row heights. And then when you have you know varying row heights, um, that all changes in how you refresh and recalculate things. And the test had been set up so that it would basically expect that you could see the change right away, which you could because you would basically reload the table in, in, in an instant. But in fact, in the new world, you have to kind of do it in two steps. One is, is removing or adding the cells, and then, is, then a second step is to, to reload the table. And so one is done without animation, one is and so as a result the test was was failing even though visually you could see it was passing and so you know uh it it was helpful that there was part of that test was uh where it was beginning playback and 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 um, pausing for, for, for 30 seconds. Just you can do NS thread sleep, you know, and so I just did the same thing. It's like the, you never escape the little hacky tactics you learn very around. Like anybody who's ever done JavaScript program, especially in the early days, you know, you would do Windows set timeout just to to give the run loop a chance to to do in the DOM to reset and, and you know, that, that also exists when you're in the realm of testing. Sometimes you just have to insert a little bit of a pause to let the, the UI, give the UI a chance to, to, to reset. Um, and I'm sure there are probably maybe more sophisticated ways of doing it. Maybe, maybe not. But it worked. The test passed. The code got in. You know, the screen movies were made. The feedback came back. And it was like one of those things where I built a lot of foundational technologies and now a bunch of things become possible. And, and we also, you know, have gotten a whole lot better. Um, so. All all, all, I went from being like, oh, it's never going to get done to now it's done and I feel good. So that was my week, Scotty.
0: So if last week you were on a roller coaster, what's the fairground ride of this week? Um, I think at this point I'm at the beer tent. <laughs> <laughs> You've left the fairground and you are on in the bar. <laughs>
1: yes, but I'm smart enough to choose the bar that's well away from, from the roller coaster so I don't get, you know, vomit rain on my parade. That's
0: right. And you don't want to be at uh, one of the fairgrounds where you pay double the price for rubbish beer. Exactly.
1: And so, Scotty, you know, I think that I was supposed to re- I was supposed to remember to remind you to talk about something that I will, of course, have forgotten what it was that you were going to say you were going to talking about.
0: Yeah, I was going to, I asked you to remind you to talk me more about my back end.
1: Oh, that's um, right. Yes. <laughs> do tell us all about your back end and I'll give you some don't. You... Wow, wow.
0: No, I'm not going to because... Uh, my week has been very distracted uh, from other stuff, um, so I've not really done what I need to do there to, to be able to, to talk with knowledge and confidence, so we'll have to put my back end <laughs> on the back burner okay. uh, for now uh, and that. Uh, uh, I've been doing a bunch of other stuff, so what have I been doing this week? Oh, okay, let's talk about what we've been doing today. Today is it's Friday afternoon as we record here. It's coming up to 5 p.m., so... Uh, um, uh, I've been doing something that really, you know, it's a computer science um, basic, really, but it's still hard. And that is list comparison. Uh, And it's uh, you always think, yeah, list comparison. I mean, after all these years of computer science, how hard can list comparison be? But it is still quite hard to do. um, Do it. And what do I mean? What am I trying to achieve? What I'm trying to do is show how. Two lists have uh, have changed from using one as the base list and one as the um uh um the the the, the, the up to date list. So basically if uh in the original list I need to show uh, it as it was and indicate um anything that's been deleted from the new list. So it's still in the old list but it's marked as it's been deleted and in the new list i need to show things that have been inserted into the list but equally i need to show things that have been moved in the list if they're now in a different place because you can curate the list and put things in a different order now showing things that are moved in the list is all pretty easy until you then have to start realizing that things have also been deleted and inserted into the list and that doesn't count as a move so if it's now one place lower in the list because something was inserted above it, that's not its move, that's the insert. Whereas if it's now positioned down in the list because someone's moved it to a new position in the list, that is a move. Um, But you need to reflect that from, from where it was before. And even though this is all actually fairly simple math, actually making it all work reasonably and nicely in a way where comparing these two lists is efficient and code that's readable um is i've realized something you shouldn't be doing on a friday afternoon <laughs> no <laughs> and and surprisingly um uh y- yeah you think you think about an hour and oh okay this isn't quite what i thought let's go to google um uh, and virtually everybody says anything to do with list comparison the first thing anybody says is sort the list <laughs> but, of course, if you're trying to show movement in a list, that is the last thing you can do is sort the list. So it's, um, yeah, and it's uh, and it's not, yeah, it's just about getting all the nuances in there. Um, and, and sort of obviously you've got two sets of diffs. You need the diff that's the new list compared to the old and the diff that is the old list compared to the new because they work in. Yeah, you know, they work against uh, opposite each other. The old list doesn't need so many things because it mainly needs to know about deletions. Um, yeah, so that's been um, that's that's been 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 a little bit of fun. But that that was my relief this afternoon from some other things I've been doing this week, which is trying to take NS document out of an NS document app. Okay, <laughs>
1: that's like saying I'm trying to remove the
0: wing from a from a plane
1: while it's in flight. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It is. We want to. Uh, we're, we're moving Moneywell from um, Moneywell is an, an NS document based app. It's a, it's a custom NS document because it's uh, it uses core data inside a document, but it doesn't use the uh, NS managed document that comes with Cocoa because that has not been touched in more years than I care to remember. And we just about, so it uses a custom NS managed document built on top of NS document. So that the core data store stays in it, and, and there is an awful lot of code in these things, just basically making sure making sure that the document doesn't screw up the core data store by trying to copy it somewhere or move it somewhere, or you know do auto backup of it somewhere or, or something of that nature. Um, we're as you know we've got you know the next release of MoneyWell is going to be, which is I think we should now code name Frankenstein because it's <laughs> so many different things pieced together. <laughs> One day it will be a real boy, but for now it's just uh, it's not. Um, uh, so the the future, future of Moneywell is it's not going to be a document-based app because when you have documents that people can email to each other and pass around, that makes the whole sync service, coordination, security thing really difficult. So we want it to be a more managed um, set of data where you can export data and import data, but you can't literally just send the data around. Well, not unless you start hacking down into where things are. We're not totally re-architecting manual at this point, and we, it needs to be Core Data. So we need basically for every, what would have been a document, every budget to still be an individual Core Data store. So um, it's uh, uh, so basically we're still loading a main, uh, uh, what would be a document window. We're still giving it a, a Core Data store, uh, but it's no longer backed by an NS document. But virtually everything else is the same in uh, uh and in and it loses a lot of code. But it's um actually that that side has been has been pretty simple. Um if you import a document we just rip the core data store out of the document and put it to where we're now storing them. And when you open a budget that would have been a document, we just as I said, load that core data store as the backing for uh that window. Each window has its own core data stack, just like an NS managed document would have its own core data stack. But of course, you know, when doing this, it's meant moving a lot of stuff around. Some of this code is literally like was written in 2010. It's 10 years old. It is, you know, if you like notifications, then you should come and work in the Moneywell code base. It is notification heaven. It's like, it's like going out for an exuberant night out on notifications. <laughs> It's it's like, a, yeah, you, you cannot, drunk. you
1: cannot, I'm going to get drunk. I'm drunk.
0: That's it. That's right. You cannot, yeah, you cannot turn without being slapped in the face by some form of notification in there. Um, and we get the occasional crash, uh, as all apps do. And as anyone who's used notifications knows that um, if you get a, if you get a crash that's from a notification, it's really, really hard to track down because you don't know where it's come from. So at the same time as moving this document stuff out, I'm sort of, um, you know, sort trying to say, well, that was a notification. Maybe that should be more localized now, um, and so sort of like refactoring the code as a go. So it's uh, it's fine. I've just put my um, PR in this morning to um, to do stuff. I'd only changed one thousand four hundred eighty eight files as part of the move. So it's, <laughs> it's a reasonably small PR. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So it's uh um it's been a an interesting week of just basically messing around in very old Objective C and um trying to get rid of some notifications and um yeah, seeing seeing what happens. And trying to replace a few bits of it with Swift and uh and some different patterns that we've been using. And then I thought I'd do something different this afternoon and do list comparison for uh for some client work and um yeah think i shouldn't have done that
1: <laughs> that, that was a big
0: mistake <laughs> wow so that's my week john so yeah it's been it's uh i've been yeah it's i've made reasonable progress but i i can't say it's been exciting or stimulating it's been one of those um uh one of those weeks where you just keep churning matt has been working this week on uh on doing um the dart mode support because obviously uh mm-hmm. not obviously but MoneyWall doesn't currently support dart mode in in its current form so that, again, is just another slog of going through and renaming all your colors to use you know, proper you know, uh, color naming as opposed to fixed colors and everything. So it's, it's been a week, the week of slog, we will call it. Yeah.
1: Well, Scotty, you're, in case you're wondering why you're seething with jealousy, it's because I got to travel this week. You know where I went? Where did you go, John? I went to Moscow. But do you know how I got there? Did you go in bits and bytes? Yes, I did. I went with Wonka Vision. And actually it was it was it was more than <laughs> Moscow. I also got to visit, you know, Saint Petersburg and Henderson County, Nevada and Los Angeles because I participated in a in a I gave a kind of informal discussion, kind of almost like an Ask Me Anything, uh for an hour to uh, a group um uh, where the the woman who had originally asked me to, to to give the talk in Moscow, I guess two years ago started a new company, and this one uh, it does work with with h r automation and co and 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 training. Um, uh, and so the, it was a question about kind of how HR has changed human resources and people don't know, um, you know, the hiring and, and, and career development for people, because that is a rather important thing and how things have changed, you know, it, it, over time. Um, and also kind of more specifically because of, of, of shelter in place and how that changes everything. And one of the things that I said is that, um, you know, that, that when you're looking for people, looking for engineers in general, I think the the mistake that gets made is you focus only on the technical skills. You figure that's, okay, I want somebody who's an expert and has 20 years of Swift experience building, you know, iOS watch apps. And so you you set those criteria and you you go search through things and, you know, there are automated tools that will sift through lots of different resumes and give you a bunch of candidates. And, and that's all aided by by, by machine learning and and machine learning only works as well as the data set and if the data set says this is a winning you know a winning resume then you're going to get the same things over and over again so the the one bit of advice i gave is when looking for people kind of look further afield because you know if you need subject matter experts or or people who who's training in another area gives them the same mindset um for for figuring things out um you know, it may be, it may be better in the long run to find people who have that, that mindset and give them the training and on, on specific tools, because no matter what, any set of tool that you learn now is going to be obsoleted in five to 10 years, potentially. So you're always having to relearn. And if you're good, you can learn under any circumstances. And, you know in in 10 years from now nobody would think that you know software engineering or basic coding skills is any different from you know it pre- pre- prevents you you know presents any particular advantage beyond saying hey i know how to use a, you know office productivity tools it's like of course you do you have to it's like that's just that's how it is you can't be a researcher without probably having some basic skills so you know cast your 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 net wider but the other interesting thing that was is 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 saying that you know if you are working asynchronously which you know people have to do in general if you're doing a, if you're on a team but, you you know, the premium goes even higher for being be able to communicate effectively and to be able to to know how to present questions efficiently and to be able to deal with the case of the person whose help you need may not be available because they're off, you know, looking after their kids, for example, or their schedule has been shifted around or, you know, they're fielding a request from other people. And so you have to spend a lot of time, you know, figuring out how to be helpful to other people and how to ask for help nicely and and. You know, in addition to the the normal tools, you know, the tests that are given to to new candidates, you know, we, we I would not be surprised to see additional tests being saying, hey, can you can you write a decent document? Can you you know can can you can you give construct you know look at the PR, give comments on it, not just kind of hey you know let's do you know stump the chump and try and get you to do a bubble sort you know on a whiteboard. It's like that 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 is not a very good indicator of how somebody will perform on a team. Um, where collaboration skills are are, are at a premium, so
0: that was kind of fun. Um, and I have one more point of of. of... Well, that, no, no, let's let's talk about that first, because yeah. I mean that that's that's I mean yes, a different skill set. Uh, I mean, firstly, even when we weren't remote, I think the way we recruit based on technical ability on the whole is terrible. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm hate whiteboard interviews. I don't think they bring out the best of people. Um, and i don 't think they necessarily tell you that much, to be honest um, but uh you know, I always take the view um first of all, just check for some general competence I mean obviously, you want to make sure someone is not just totally bullshitting you that you know i 've got ten years of experience of being a developer 'm sorry what's a computer <laughs> um, yeah so, so, so some level of general competence, whatever is appropriate for the position you're doing, but you know it doesn't does much, and after that, you know recruit the person you want to work with and teach them the skills they need. Because if they're competent, they'll be able to learn the skills pretty quickly. Um, moving to a new company is all about learning their code base, not necessarily learning the language. So if someone's never used Swift before, um, but they've used, uh, I don't know, Java or something, um, or, or but maybe that's not a good example, but you know, uh, you know the majority of their time, say they were coming to Netflix, the majority of their time is going to be learning... Um, you know Netflix code base, the way Netflix work, Netflix procedures. Um, so if they have to spend an extra month at the beginning learning Swift, who cares? Yeah, it's it's probably still the smaller part of the job. And if that's a competent person who will make your team better, um, and your team will enjoy working with, and has skills that enhance your team, then the fact that they didn't know Swift or, or Objective C or is irrelevant. So this whole you need ten years of Swift, you need ten years of that. Now don't get me wrong, there are probably areas where you want people who've definitely done it before, maybe things on security or very low level stuff. Um, but on the whole, uh, you know, we we all try to convince ourselves our jobs are more technical and harder than they are, whereas actually the hardest part of our job is getting on with other people and being able to work as a team. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it's it's a uh, uh, yeah. You know, so I would always say, employ the person I want to work with, and teach them what I need them to know. That's exactly. That is exactly right. Anyway, that's a that's a that that's a sub. And then if you you add the other stuff about you know, uh, as someone who's worked remotely for many many years, um, it is interesting watching people making the transition. Um, now the team I'm working on with my client right now is a team that has been you know about 50% of the people on it mm, yeah have been remote for you know at least over the last year so on the whole the team had got used to even though the company is a very office based company my particular team had got used to being um reasonably distributed so when all of the office people had to suddenly go home uh, the reality is other than them having to get home offices set up uh, as a team not a lot changed most of it stayed the same because it was already not possible to hold in the same room meetings most of the time. In in whatever else, so it was fairly smooth. Whereas you watch other teams in the same company or other companies where everything was so geared to being in the same place that they, they it took them a long time to make the changes that they needed to do. And I think yeah, it's it's um, one of the hardest things I find is to be a remote person the only remote person on the team when everyone else is in the office, because then absolutely nothing works for you. Everybody assumes you're on the same time zone. Everyone assumes you're in the same place, which means you don't get anything. So, yeah, so this whole learning to work remote, hopefully it's going to, even when companies go back to their office, it's hopefully changed the thinking and changed the culture a little that that uh, those who do still work remote will have a better time because those who are no longer remote will remember what it's like to be remote.
1: Yeah, that was another big thing that we discussed yeah. So, silver lining.
0: Yes, I'm sorry, you said you had one more thing. I do. So,
1: um, this is the letters section of our of our show. You know, on 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 uh, on the David Letterman show, they would have this things like letters. Oh, we get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters.
0: Letters.
1: Okay. Yeah. I'll stop singing. You're showing your age, John.
0: No, most people don't even know what a letter is anymore. Oh, that's true.
1: <laughs> Let alone who David Letterman is. All right. Fine. Uh, yes. Anyway, and,
0: and then when you start saying email, we're reaching the point where lots of people won't even know what email is soon. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, so our our best friend Andre Andre Wellis, I hope I have that pronounced correctly, um, from Sunny Cornwall says Jembe. you for your iDeveloper podcast with Scotty.
0: Say 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 that again. Where where, where sorry, sorry where, where is he from Cornwall? Okay. Is that wrong? What. Well, it's got an American twang to it. Cornwall. It's Cornwall. Uh, Cornwall. Cornwall. (laughs) No, no, I was trying to push Cornwall. It's not Cornwall. 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 Like it emerges. It doesn't go, you don't go Cornwall. Cornwall. (laughs) I thought it was a wall where they threw corn. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. Oh, partly.
1: yeah okay so you're you're just you're just like trying to trip me up because I have I have letters and nobody cares about you so yeah, as I was saying <laughs> Andre Wells from Cornwall says Jembe thanks for your iDeveloper podcast with Scotty I do enjoy listening to you both as I travel into work it's right up there in my list of podcasts well isn't that nice and then then after that it's like uh, I hope you don't mind a bit of Netflix feedback value Twitter persistent frustration is needing to scroll to find my continue watching section this also Seems to continuously change its location. The ordering It used to be almost the first thing, which was good. All right. Well, uh, first thing is like thank you for writing. Secondly, um, I'm glad that that uh, that 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 our our dulcet tones don't cause you to to run off the rail. I hope that you're not operating a train or other heavy equipment. Um, and... <laughs>
0: Don't want anyone listen to this podcast while driving a train. That is for sure. (laughs) It's like
1: like ramming speed into. (laughs)
0: Anyway, uh... get me out of here. (laughs) Totally off the roof. Put it on the train. Put it on the train speaker system. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, sorry. Carry on. Yeah.
1: So anyway, but uh, now that whole position of the continue watching in my list—that is, you know. um... Yeah, I can say that each of the different client teams—you know, the 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 LoloMo, the list of list of movies that is calculated—and um, and, and uh, it's actually a pretty complex calculation, and it it, it changes over time, and also you know, it, 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 yeah. So I mean, we, we there's not it there's not a fixed location for every single row. Um, but, uh, as far as I understand, you know, every attempt is made to put the, put those rows up, uh, quickly because they tend to be things that people want to, to, to see. Um, but I am actually, you know, I, I will, I will talk to some additional colleagues. I don't know whether I ha- will come back with the definitive answer. It's like under every circumstances, no matter what, if your name is, is, is such and such, and your IP address says that you're somewhere in, in, in Southeast England, um, then, then you will always have it in West. the West, West. Well, so then, well, that's why it doesn't work then. So the rules were applied to the wrong part of, of England. There we go. So if you were in Dover but In fact, something... in
0: fact Corn, Cornwall is a little bit like it. I think Cornwall is like England's Texas. It's, it's a county that believes it should be its own country.
1: It probably should be, just because of how onerous the rest of the country is. Um, anyway. That is true. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the best answer I can give um, for the moment. But actually, uh, thank you. Um, and uh, neck and
0: Scotty, do you want to read from your mailbag? But you don't have one. <laughs> yeah, well, I had I had several letters complaining about you, but I don't want to oh, do that in
1: public. That's probably true. Oh my god! It's like back to the. <laughs> did somebody write again about about the furball? <laughs> dear,
0: dear, dear Scotty, when are you going to get rid of that car wreck of a of a co host <laughs> of yours? No, no, no one writes to me, John, because they they just because they all love you and uh, they they. Don't love me. It's that simple.
1: Well, then I would say that 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 could be a sign from God to, for us to wrap this up. Then,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> could be a sign that I should get out of this game and and leave it to the professionals. No, because I because who's going to edit
1: and who's going to you know get get me out of bed to to do this every morning and give my life shape and purpose?
0: It is. People don't realize that I have to come and wake you up, dress you, feed you before yeah, <laughs> before you're prepared to do the show. <laughs> exactly. So, John, if people want to send you more mail because, um, you know, because they seem to love you, where should they do that? Well,
1: first of all, they should just basically send me some Bitcoin and I promise to double it. <laughs> My name is Elon.
0: Musk. Through 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 any of the following um, Apple, Microsoft or famous personality accounts.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like Twitter keeps looking better and better. Like I've never been so proud to be on Twitter as, as now. Um, so yes, you can find me on the Twitters where I'm Jembe. That's D J E M B E, like the West African drum. And Scotty, if people want to 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 you know tell you publicly what what they have been telling you in private, which is to shitcan your your co your co-host who who can't pronounce English names with any proper inflection and don't even know which you know general region up down left right is you know places are to be found, where how might they do that?
0: I don't know if it's even worth me saying, John. No one wants to talk to me. Why waste bits of airtime just to giving them an address that no one will ever write to? Oh, all right then, <laughs> you can <laughs> you can get me in that place of obscurity, Twitter, where nobody talks to anybody; they just shout at each other, and that's, that's, just Mac <laughs> that's MacDevnet. That's M A C D E V N E T. Just in case you didn't know how to spell it, which is why I'm not getting any. Uh, it's Mac
1: De- Mac Devnet, spelled D J E M P E,
0: like the West African drum. There we go. There We are well, John. I'm glad you're up and functioning. I'm glad you have a, you've had a good week and uh, you're off the roller coaster and in the beer tent. That's that's uh, great. And it's uh, five p.m. on a Friday here, so I've got a couple of hours of client meetings now, and then I will be hitting the beer tent myself. So whatever time of day it is for you, wherever you're driving, whether you're driving a, a train through Cornwall um, or anywhere like that. <laughs> next time you're driving a train Please through
1: Cornwall, chuck a bucket of vomit out the window towards Scotty's
0: beer bed. <laughs> And see where it goes. But until anyway, next time, thanks for listening. You take care. mm